Welcome to the Kitchen Sink meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Please note, we will be holding this meeting via Zoom for the foreseeable future. If you'd like to attend the meeting live, go to oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. Now is the time for the leader to qualify. So, good morning, everyone. My name is Carl. I'm a compulsive overeater. And to get some of the numbers out of the way, I've been in program. April will be 32 years, and this past December, I celebrated one day at a time, truly one day at a time, 28 years of continuous abstinence. And thank you. It's a gift from God, and um, I am grateful for the absence and the program that I have today. So I came into program uh, because a friend of mine uh, lost 150 pounds, and I was not impressed. I wasn't impressed with her weight loss. I didn't like the idea that she had changed. And the way she had changed was that she had found a spiritual program that helped her with her daily life. She had the same problems she had before. She had the same money problems and boss problems and every other problem. But all of a sudden, she lost the weight and all of a sudden she was handling life better. And I thought, that's interesting. That intrigued me. So before I came into program, uh, I'd like to say I was eating one meal a day. It was, most, most people call it grazing. I would start, I'd have breakfast at home, eat in the car on the way to work. I had a big apothecary jar of a uh, sugary substance that I was constantly putting in my mouth. Uh, I would go to uh, the food truck that came to our office. I'd eat lunch. I'd have a snack from the food truck. I'd eat on the way home. I'd get home, and I would literally put on my bathrobe after dinner, sit down in front of the television with a box of, again, a sugary uh, substance that I would keep putting in my mouth. And I thought that was normal, and that's the way everybody lived. Um, Growing up, uh, I did not have friends. I was in elementary school in the late 50s and the early 60s, graduating high school in the mid-60s, and I was not athletic, and I was not... Uh, a good student, so needless to say, I, I was labeled many derogatory terms, some of which have come true. I was called a sissy boy, I was called a faggot, and it all came true. I am gay, and but didn't know it, and I don't think the others knew it. I think they were just finding a way to berate and bully, which was the norm. That's what went on. I was always on the receiving end, never on the giving end. I was never confident enough to do that. And that's the way I went through life. Uh, I had one friend, and that was food. Food that I ate with the family or food that I stole from the family or food that I stole money from the family to buy on the outside. Um, When I ate, I got that, (sighs) and I always wanted it because it felt so good. So I kept going for the next one and the next one and the next one, and I needed more and more and more uh, to get it. Uh, I was blessed, I guess, with the metabolism. It didn't really show, 
but also during that time I was living in New York City and uh, I had to walk every place. You know, you walked or you took public transportation. You didn't get in the car, which was right outside your door. And so um, by being as physically active as I was, I guess it never showed. I never really, I never broke 200. I never broke 190. Uh, but that was what the scale said. What my head said was that I was 500 pounds. And so uh, when I, this friend of mine came into program, and she lost her weight. And I, one of those people that came for the sanity and stayed for the vanity. I really came because I liked what I saw in you people. What I saw was happiness. I saw laughter. I'd never been to a group. If you, if you came on this meeting from 10 minutes before up to the time, there was laughter. There was joy. There were people carrying on, telling jokes, telling stories, laughing at each other, laughing at ourselves, with ourselves. It was fun. I'd never been in a group like that. I was used to going to places where everyone was serene and quiet, and uh, or if they were loud, it's because they were picking on someone and they were they were uh, putting them down. And since I was usually the victim of that and I didn't like it, I tried to stay away from places like that. So I stayed away from everyone and everything. In college, again, um, I was torn between a lot of things. I dated women, but I wasn't comfortable. So what did I do? I ate. Um, I didn't need a reason to eat. Uh, happy, sad. Um, the person I wanted to win went to the White House. The person I didn't want to win went to the White House. I didn't need a reason. I just ate. That was my only friend. That and avoiding life on life's terms. I did not accept life on life's terms because if it wasn't on my terms, it wasn't right. I came in as general manager of the universe, and I was right about everything, and I told you so, and if you didn't agree with me, you were not in my life. Needless to say, I do not have a lot of people left in my life from that period of my life. Um, I wasn't happy. Uh, I had very poor relationships with my family of birth. Uh, we did not get along. I always thought it was them. I always thought that they were wrong and that they didn't know what they were doing and they didn't understand me and they, 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 they. Gratefully, I've worked this program and I have learned it wasn't they. There was a black sheep in the family. It was me. But you know what? That wasn't so bad. It was because I was who I was. That was who I was then. I have an older brother who I never got along with. We shared a room for 15 years, and we physically fought every day. I have a younger sister who has the same interests I have, and she and I did not speak for about 30 years, including the period of time that we lived under the same roof. We just did not get along. A blessing of this program is uh, ten and a half years ago, my sister and I made amends to each other, and we've become best friends. And as we like to say, the greatest curse of this pandemic is that we haven't been able to see each other because she lives in Berkeley, California, and I live in Jacksonville, Florida. 
And so we have not been able to see each other other than by Zoom and talking on the phone. That I can say that, that I have that relationship, um, is a miracle of this program. And I learned in this program, I didn't work on her. I didn't think about her. I didn't, I wasn't trying to fix her. I worked on me and ignored her. I just kept things going the way they were going. And I worked on making me a better me. Part of my morning prayers every morning is, God, please help me to be a better person today than I was yesterday. And I pray to be better each day than I was the day before. I wasn't a bad guy yesterday or the day before that or the day before that. But I can always be better. And so I came into program and I, I lost some weight. And that didn't satisfy me. You know, to me, I have a number in my head that I want to be at and that I've reached, I think, once in program. And unfortunately, it was when I first came into program. I wanted to get down to this number and uh, all of my friends took me to the doctor because they thought I was sick. And I was. I, I was sick. I had a spiritual illness that the doctors couldn't fix. So there's so much. I, my father died right after I came into program and in my religious tradition, I'm sequestered with my immediate family, who I was not on good terms with, for seven days. And he died in June, and I broke my abstinence in August, and I couldn't understand why. I followed my food plan. I was Mr. Hipslick and Cool. I had, a, I had maintained my abstinence. When I broke my abstinence, I started working with a new sponsor. And the more I worked with my sponsor, the more I did the work on myself, the more I realized what I had done during that time is I had followed a food plan. I had not increased my spiritual awareness. And by working just the food plan, I had relapsed. Because I cannot be in this program without working the spiritual side. That is my gatekeeper. That is what keeps me alive today. Yes, I follow a food plan today. Yes, I maintain a food plan, and I know what I'm doing when it comes to food, and I have been able to keep a healthy body weight only by working the spiritual program. And that showed itself a number of years ago. I was bitching and moaning to my sponsor one more time about how I was old, fat, ugly, and poor. And he said to me, you know what you need? I said, yeah, a good swift kick in the head. He said, no, you need a new dictionary. Look at your definitions. What are you calling old? By the way, that was like 15 years ago, and I don't think I'm old now, and I'm 72 now. So if I was old then, I must be ancient, but I'm not. And then fat? Yeah, right. I was a perfect, not a perfect, there is no such thing as perfect, but I was in a healthy body weight. So said my doctors, so said my friends, so said the people, but I didn't hear it. Poor? Gee, I owned a condominium, I had a job, I had money in the bank, 
what's my definition of poor? And then ugly? Well, you let that one go because that's subjective. <laughs> and we couldn't really figure that one out. But I really looked at what I was comparing myself to. And I was comparing my insides to other people's outsides without working on my insides. And so I started working on my insides. And today, believe it or not, I still feel that. That's okay. Because my body weight hasn't changed. But as I've learned, as I've gotten older, things shift around. And where they've shifted to is not where I want them to be. But you know what? I get on that scale, and it doesn't lie because it's giving me a number within a range. I'm within a very healthy range. I told my doctor I wanted to lose weight, at which point she gave me the hit in the head that I wanted years ago. Just your body weight is healthy. Your BMI, your body mass index is healthy. You don't need to lose weight. And for the first time in 60-some-odd years, I heard a doctor tell me that. And I said, why am I listening to my sick head, which got me into program, and I came to get better, and I'm getting the solution. Why am I pushing back from it? Why am I not trusting? Oh, I wasn't trusting my higher power. And so today, I make sure that I check in with my higher power. My favorite saying is, okay, God, what do I do next? Because left to my own designs, you know, with the, between the pandemic and being retired, I got a kitchen full of food. And a lot of it's all within, with, a lot of it is in my food plan. This is only food because I live by myself. So it's only food I can eat because that's all I bring into the house. I'm not tempted to bring any of those things that I choose not to eat in the house. They're all in the house. So now I have to watch quantity. And that was, now I was a binge. I mean, I love. I'm a volume eater. I like to eat. And so I stopped and really remember, okay, God, what do I do next? Okay, if it's the next thing is to clean the house, scrub the toilet, answer my emails. What's my next chore? And I start out that by every morning, after I get out of bed, which is getting harder and harder to do because I, I, I like staying in bed. I need the eject button. But once I'm out of bed, my first stop is at my chair. And I have, I, I read five daily meditation books. There are two from this program, two, one from each of two other programs I participate in, and one from my um, religious background. I have found that by starting the day each day with those books and sitting and praying and meditating and connecting with my higher power, and constantly through the day asking my higher power what I should do next. Because left to my own designs, I'm going to go back in the kitchen. And I don't want to be there. I want to be there three times a day. And I want to remember that the laundry room, which is through the kitchen to do my laundry, is I'm going to the laundry room, not the kitchen. Go to the destination. Don't make stops along the way. And I don't. I can go, I can walk into and out of the kitchen 20 times a day and not stop and have to pick up a snack or something to eat because my food plan is three moderate meals a day, nothing in between. And that means nothing. I drink a lot of water. So that's in the kitchen also. 
but my, my destination is the water, not the pantry, not the refrigerator. It's the pan, it's, it's the water. And so I have to remember and I have to connect with my higher power because unless I do my prayers, unless I do my meditation, unless I connect with God throughout the day, my day is not going to be as good as it could be. Now, if I don't pray and meditate, am I going to go off my food plan? Hasn't happened yet. God willing, it won't. But it will be a better day with it. And again, being retired, being in pandemic, it's a lot easier to connect with my higher power more often and to stay out of those things that I where I don't belong. I don't belong there, and so I don't go there. I have found that doing the work, oh, in addition to that, besides that I'm sponsoring, I think I counted a number of men and women in this program, so I speak to them, I speak to my sponsor, I go, that's daily, I go to seven meetings a week because I can, I'm grateful that I started my program in Los Angeles and I get to come to meetings in Los Angeles a couple of times a week and nothing gives me greater joy. I go to local meetings and support that fellowship as well because that's what keeps me sane. Insanity is, is, is one of my character defects. And the only way I can conquer that character defect is to work with my higher power and to work with all of you. I stand on all of your shoulders. If I were not here, I'm not going to say where I would be because I don't know. I, mean, I have no idea what to do on a Saturday morning from 12 to 1, my time, other than be in kitchen sink. This is my home. This is where I need to be. This is where I get my nourishment. As a diabetic gets their insulin, I get my shot of, of health from program. You know, I, I, I know many uh, diabetics, and they tell me they don't go without their medicine. That's, it's not an option. It's not life and death. As they, they tell me if they miss a shot, it's not life and death. Quality of life will change, but they won't die if they miss a shot. I like the, Thank you. I like the quality of life that I have. And I get it one day at a time. And it doesn't matter how many years I have. If I don't come to meetings, if I don't reinforce that, I mean, I would love to go back to eating. To be honest, I would love to go back to eating. I love eating. I love the food. I really enjoy it. I think it's wonderful. But as a friend of mine in program has said, I can do anything I want to do if I'm willing to pay the consequence. And I'm not willing to pay the consequence. I was crazy. I was a, a, a lunatic. I mean, in this program, both of my parents have passed away. My, my dear sweet soulmate who brought me into this program has passed away. I've lost jobs. I've gained jobs. And you know what? I haven't eaten over it. The first call I made when I was let go from one job was I, I left the job that night, parked my car to park went into the park and talked to God for a while and then called my sponsor. I said, okay, this is what's going on. Not save me. My car was stolen. And I was making dinner at the time. And the reason I knew the car was stolen is I, I needed to get something out of the car. I'd left groceries in the car and I went down and it wasn't there. 
I'm in the middle of making dinner. And it's true with what we say in the For Today book. I called my sponsor. I did, well, they say suicide helpline. I didn't need, you know, he was my suicide helpline. But I called my sponsor to say, not I'm going crazy, just my car has been stolen. I'm making dinner. I'm recommitting that I'm going to eat just my dinner, just my portion, and then I'm going to call the police. But I knew that if I didn't eat my dinner at the time, unless there was some crazy reason, and you know what? The car was already gone. If I called 20 minutes later, it's not going to break me, but it's going to keep me sane if I do it after I've had my meal. Because wouldn't you know, you know, you call these people or you call anybody and you get put on hold. That's the worst thing. My dinner's over there waiting for me. No, eat my dinner, make the phone call. Practice these principles in all my affairs. I took me four or five years to make all of my financial amends and the thousands of dollars, but I made them because I didn't want to carry that around. I was at a meeting about three years ago and remembered something I had done in 1961. And I said, oh, my God, I have another amends to make. Go ahead and make the amends. Write the letter, send the check. Because I didn't, once I realized it, I didn't want to carry it around. I, I know that there are probably more things that I've forgotten about than I remember. And as I remember them, I clean them up, whether they were from yesterday or 1961. I have to do it because it's what keeps me sane. I have to show love and compassion to people that I don't like. And there are people I still don't like, but I show love and compassion and understanding as I want them to show it to me. I try to treat other people the way I would like to be treated. I try to understand other people as I want to be understood because I can't do anything without this program. It's the way that keeps me sane. It's the way that keeps me away from other addictive behaviors because my name is Carl and I'm a compulsive fill in the blank. I've done it with food. I've done it with alcohol. I've done it with television watching. I've done it with internet surfing. I've done it with cleaning my house. Anything not to feel what I'm feeling or what I'm going through. And so, yes, now I have higher highs when I'm excited and joyful and I can handle the lows when something tragic happens to me. Because it still happens. These things still happen. It's how I handle them that has changed. And this program has given me a life that I never would have thought of. That I could be retired and live in a place as beautiful as where I am. I've got trees and shrubbery outside this way. I've got wonderful neighbors. It's quiet. It's reserved. And as much as I miss all of you in Los Angeles, I have a wonderful life. God has given me a life beyond my wildest dreams, and I'm grateful. One last thing for those of you who are listening that don't get to come to Serenity, to get to come to Kitchen Sink, I want to let you know that in my square has my name and my phone number. So for those of you that don't get to see it, my phone number is area code 323-304-9287. I take phone calls and I only ask that you remember I live in Florida. My phone lives in Los Angeles. My body is in Florida, so it rings here in Florida, and um, thank you for letting me be of service and letting me share.
Okay, this is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not of those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you, ask a que- if you asked a question last week, please wait until the first three questions have been asked before raising your hand. So, I'm looking for people to raise their hand and ask questions. Bailey. Hi, Carl. It's really great to hear your share. Thank you. Um, if this isn't an, an outside issue, I'd love to hear more about your journey to um, realizing you needed other programs. I don't know if that was before this one or not. Um, in working this program, some other issues came up, and I decided to work them through other programs. And so um, I just went. I, I went to them because. That's what was up for me. Uh, I'm, an, I'm addicted in many areas, and anytime I find something rearing its head at me, that's the program I go to. Thanks for the question. Lillian. Hi, Carl. Hi, Hi Lillian. Hi. I'd love to hear what your food plan is, just on a typical average day, knowing we all have different body sizes. Okay, on a, on a typical average day, of, of which there are many these days, I eat three moderate meals a day. Um, this was moderate when I came into the program, and I was 40 years old. I am now 72. This is moderate. So the portions have come down quite a bit. Uh, that's one thing. Uh, Another thing is I eat certain foods um, uh, primarily for health reasons. So I have high cholesterol, and uh, the reason I'm talking about water is when I'm having some kidney issues, nothing serious, but my doctor wants me to drink a lot more water. And so there are – good idea. And so <laughs> there are foods that uh, I eat that uh, I have to watch uh, I don't want to push anyone's buttons, so my my normal breakfast is a bowl of oatmeal, and that's fine for me. Uh, Lunch many times will be some tuna fish. Uh, Dinner, again, will be a protein starch and a vegetable. Uh, But they're very small. They're very small portions. And and I avoid my binge foods, which change. Uh, My bottom line is I avoid recreational sugar and anything that uh, as a friend of mine says, I can't eat like a gentleman. And that has changed. And I won't mention one of them because I may trigger someone because I know it triggered me one time. Thanks for the question. Julie Taylor. Hi. Um, so when you realized that you needed to work your spiritual program, how did you start to develop that relationship with your higher power and how, how do you know when it's uh, your higher power's will and not yours? Great question. Thank you. The way I discovered I needed to work the, the spiritual program was I broke my abstinence. And here I was doing what I thought everything was right. And so it wasn't. And I was in a meeting. Uh, as a matter I was in a meeting at Kitchen Sink. And someone mentioned that they read the For Today book. This was before we had the Voices of Recovery book. They read the For Today book uh, every day, and I thought, oh, that's a good idea. I can do that. 
and then Voices of Recovery came out, and I added the other books. And I kept hearing in the meetings about prayer and meditation, and I didn't know what that meant. And so I asked people. I said, when you say you pray and meditate, what do you do? And so then I started developing my own practice, which was comfortable for me. Uh, the connection with my higher power, I think I always had it. Um, I was brought up in a fairly traditional religious home, and I brought that in with me. And so I was never afraid of the word God. Um, many times now I refer to higher power as opposed to God. Um, they're all, they're one and the same for me. And, uh, I don't think that I was ever without that connection. I just didn't know it. And so, uh, the more I, I read in the For Today book and the more I read in the Voices of Recovery book, the more I realized that I was having a connection with a higher power. It just, it, it, it just evolved. Thanks for the question. And Kira. Sorry. How, how do oh, you sorry. know? How do you know how, when? How do you I recognize know? God's will? When I open my mouth and something comes out and I look behind me to see who said it. It's like I said, you know, I came up with a solution to a problem or a retort to a person. And that's not me. And then I realized, yeah, that is me. That's me that has evolved into the person that I am as opposed to the person I was. That's how I knew I had a connection. Thanks again. Kira. Kira Hi, I'm on the road right now. Um, it was great to hear you. Thank you. And I, it's, really similar, it's really similar to the last question, but you said that you like uh, went to a park and you talked to God, and I was just wondering how you communicate with your higher power. Thanks for the question. I communicate with my higher power by shutting my mouth, opening my mind, and praying with my heart. And that can happen any place. I can talk to my higher power while I'm sitting here with you guys. I can talk to my higher power while I'm driving. I can talk to my higher power anytime in any place because I believe my higher power is always with me. And as long as my higher power is always with me, I can just, I can be talking to you and then change sentences and, and talk to my higher power. So uh, I believe my higher power is with me always. And so all I have to do is, I believe my higher power will always be with me as long as I invite him in. I don't think higher powers come and just start working. I think my higher power, I have to ask my higher power to be in my presence. And I do that every morning. The first thing I do when I start my prayers in the morning is that I say, good morning, God, as if my higher power was sitting there in the room with me. Thanks for the question. I hope that answered it. Laura. Hi, I'm Laura. I'm gratefully recovering in this program. Um, thank you for your share. My question is, um, how much of your time do you spend thinking about food? And if it's less than before, when did that change for you? Because I'm like nine months in now and I still think about food pretty much 100% of the time. I mean, I'm eating on my plan, but I think about it pretty much all the time, and I'm wondering if that has changed for you. It, it's changed tremendously for me. I still think about food. I'd love to say I don't, but I do. And I think about it specifically in the morning, because uh, my, my breakfast is my breakfast. That's seven days a week. But 
right before breakfast, I plan my meals. I know what I'm having for breakfast. I know what I'm having for lunch. I plan out what I'm having for lunch and having for dinner. And then I'm done. So when a, f- a food thought comes in my mind, oh, that's very nice. Thank you for caring. Goodbye. <laughs> I send it on its merry way because it has no place in my brain. Don't take up space. That space is needed for other things. So if I get a food thought, I go, oh, that's nice. Now, if I think about a specific food, I go, oh, yeah, that'll be good for lunch next week. Okay, now what's next? I I don't try to send it away without embracing it. I mean, it's there. I can't say don't don't be there. But I, since I have to do something with it, I can tag it for, for later on. But during during the day today, I know what I'm having for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And so if another food thought comes in, it's inappropriate. What do I do with any inappropriate thought? You know, like, oh, there's that duck in the middle of the road that keeps standing there, and I want to kill him. You know, I want to run him over. Oh, no, I have to push that thought away also. I do the same thing with a food thought. Thanks for the question. Ellie, how are you, my love? Hi, Carl. It's so good to see you. Thank you for your share. Thank you. Um, you described yourself years ago as um, old, fat, ugly. And poor. And poor. See, I forgot about that event. <laughs> um, have you gotten to a place of self-acceptance? And how did you, if so, how did you get there? Thank you. Wonderful question. The way I got there was I listened to my sponsor who said to get a new dictionary and to redefine the terms. And, and, and that was like a light went off. You know, it's like I can make up my own term. I can make up my own definition. Well, I needed to make a definition that applied to me. And once I did that and I didn't think of myself as old and fat and ugly and poor anymore, What's left but loving myself? It's like, hey, I'm okay. I'm okay. And so today, even though it's not the one I want, I can look in the mirror when I have no clothes on, and it's okay. I can sit down and pay my bills, and it's okay. You know, all of those things that I thought would would bring me down don't anymore. Because I don't let them, because my higher power through my sponsor has told me it's okay. I'm perfect just the way I am. And I hope to be better tomorrow. But I'm okay today just the way I am. You know, many times I think of the pitch I want to give, the pitch I've given, the pitch I should have given. No, I don't do that today. This is the pitch. And it's okay. Five minutes. Thank you, Nancy. Chad. Hey, Carl. Thank you so much for your service and your share today. Um, I was curious to hear more about um, not what your meal plan is, but how often do you tweak it um, and and change it, or do you set something and um, that you that you know might not be attainable? Definitely, I don't set anything that won't be attainable. Why would I do that? That would be a waste of time. Um, I don't, when you say tweak it, I set it in the morning and then that's it for the day. I know what's coming up, um, especially with the pandemic. It's not as if I'm running around all over town. I don't know what's going to be available here and there. Um, 
No. Uh, as far as my overall plan, I haven't tweaked that in, in a very long time because my binge foods are my binge foods, and I avoid them. And I add, and, but I do add things. For instance, one of my ben, one of my binge foods, as a matter of fact, used to be a binge food, I had for dinner last night. And it's here in the house, and I can have it today if I want it, but I know that I can't. But I also know that I will remember that I had it on the 26th of March, and I don't get to have it for another two weeks at least. If I can't keep it in the house, if I have to have it every single day, or if I have to have it more often than two weeks, uh-uh, got to get rid of it. It's got it's got to go on on the note list. Hope that answered it. Thank you, Don. Uh, thank you, Carl. Do you get still food urges, and if so, how do you deal with them? No, I get food urges all the time. I really do, especially. Um, I get them and I, because I'm an addict. I'm a compulsive fill-in-the-blank. I want what I want when I want it the way I want it, and don't get in my way. Yeah, right. Uh, nothing gets in my way. I get in my way. I've convinced myself that I don't need those foods. If something if something comes that I want, that I really want, uh I have kind of a checklist in my head. Number one, is it on my plan? Number two, is it healthy for me? A perfect example is um, I might want a steak. Let's say a bunch of people go out to a steakhouse and I really want steak. Well, I have high cholesterol. Hello? Steak isn't on my food plan. It's not good for me. It's not healthy for me. Why would I eat it? So I don't. So I may get the urge, but as I said, I always say, okay, God, what do I do now? Okay, God, what do I do next? And I, I turn the food urge and any other urge over to my higher power and wait for the answer. And thankfully today, as long as I'm in a fit spiritual place, the answer will come. Thank you for the question. Uh, I thought I saw another hand. Uh, Tony from Montreal, welcome. Thank you for your uh, for your share. Um Thank you for your service. Actually, you answered my question in your last comment. I was going to ask you, um, over the years that you've been in program, how do you handle the variations? During pandemic, it's been kind of easy for me. I've been in program for a while. Um, but once I'm out of, out of pandemic, the variations over the years, I too have been in program for a few 24 hours, and I noticed that those variations, as long as I can eat the food that's in my house, that's my healthy food, I'm good. But when I start to, to, to go out and, and have those periods, that pause before I pick up. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's just always, for me, it's always important that I look at what's there and, and ask my higher power, you know, is this appropriate? God help me. I'm, I'm not below, I'm not above or below or any other way. Uh, turning to my higher power every minute of every day and saying, God, what do I do now? Is this appropriate? Should I be doing this? So the duck is still alive because my higher power keeps telling me not to run it over. 